I talk about in the book is that business owners can be the biggest roadblock for succession planning because they're not ready. They don't know what the world looks like after they sell or after they exit. And you know, working through that is really important. Welcome to the Business Owner Transition with Mike Quinlan, where we bring you content to help you transition your business on your terms. Hey everybody, it's Mike Quinlan back with you again on the Business Owner Transition Podcast. And today we are going to be talking to Beth Miller. She has her second book out, which is called Replaceable, An Obsession with Succession. And the cool thing about this is that as we always talk about the I'm Good checklist, this is the heart of the M. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we are trying to create one thing for our clients, and that is an elite exit. And I love to talk about the elite 3% because from all business owners, people that start their businesses, they go out there and they work hard on them. But over time, most businesses fail. And when they do get to a point where they have the opportunity to be sold, unfortunately, there's a bad a couple of bad things going against them. Number one is that only about 50% of businesses actually make it past the LOI stage, the letter of intent stage. The second bad thing that happens is that unfortunately, only about 25% of business owners report that they sold their business without regret. So 75% are profoundly unhappy that they sold their business. So when you distill all of that down, only about 3% of business owners successfully transact their business. So maximizing the value of the business on their terms and doing it without regret. Part of what we're going to talk to Beth about today is the most important asset that you own as a business owner, which is the human capital and your management team. And so before I introduce you a little further, Beth, I just want to put into context how important this is. There is a elite entrepreneur out there named Orlando Bravo. So Orlando Bravo has done over 300 acquisitions. He's a private equity guy. $100 billion worth of transactions. The very first thing that he does when he goes in and looks at a business is reviews the management team. These could be an underperforming team. They can be a team that is excelling. His philosophy is to keep the team in place because of the relationships that they have with customers, the relationships that they have with their employees, and then squeeze extra performance out of the current management team. So with that being said, Beth, Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And thank you so much. This book is awesome. I am using this book in our classes right now, the current cohort, which meets next week. I just, they are all delivered. I got them out in the front room out here. So they're all going to get a copy of the book. (laughs) Beth, maybe give me a little bit of overview of why you wrote the book. Oh, gosh. Well, I've had the idea in my head for, gosh, probably 10 years now. I've 
I was a Vistage chair for many years and helped business owners go through uh, transitions. And I saw a number of them do it very well and a number of them that didn't. And so with that, I, I um, had the opportunity last year when, um, when things shut down, uh, I had extra time. So I thought, here is the time to, to write the book. Well, you know what I really like about this book is that it is written not as a directive. It's you can participate as you read the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. It's a it's a how-to book. Uh, it it has a, a story of of Dan, who uh, who is, and this that was a real story. It was um, somebody who who really planned for his succession and started very early on. Right. Yeah. So as an owner, you can take the basic concept that you're articulating throughout the book, mm-hmm. and then by use of checklists and worksheets, you can apply these these um, these different things to your company. Exactly. Yeah. And there there are pieces parts that you know I I would ideally say start from the beginning and go through, but there are parts of it um, like developing your your leaders and high performers that you could just pull out and and use that first. For right. Instance, yeah. So what we are talking here basically about is kind of a broader term in succession planning. Yes. It's succession planning throughout the organization, not just about the business owner. And it's about um, identifying those key positions within an organization versus the key people. So p- smaller businesses, and this is really written for small businesses under you know 300 employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those... Those companies um, don't have big pools of, of talent. So it's easy for them to go through and identify what positions are critical for future success. So one of the th- first things I talk about is that you really need to have succession planning as part of your business planning. It needs to be an annual event. It's, it's not something that's one and done. It's an ongoing process that you refresh. You look at um, your talent that you've got, um, how they've developed over the last year. Are they ready to to take on uh, more work or move up in the organization? Right. And I I love the way you you talked about that being part of your business planning. Mm -hmm. Because when I talk with owners, I talk to them about, hey, do you have your, show me your strategic plan. And none of them have one. Yes. (laughs) Or they have one, it's in the head of the owner, and, yeah. and that's great. On a one-pager, I use balanced scorecard methodology. Mm-hmm. There's lots of you know EOS yes. and all these different things right. you can use. It's all great stuff. But in the growth and development section of that strategy mm-hmm. is human capital yeah. and management improvement programs. Mm-hmm. Developing, first of all, mapping and identifying your key positions and the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are required yes. to be effective there. Mm-hmm. But then looking at the people that are either in it or you maybe want to put in it right. and understanding what their capabilities truly are against what's required. Right. And what are the gaps and then develop to the gaps. I don't know about you, but I encourage my owners to look at this through the lens of a buyer. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really hard because they, you know, they have so much experience and history in, in their organization that um, trying to get out of that in the weeds uh, is, is difficult. And right. so one of the things that I talk about in the book is that business owners can be the biggest roadblock for 
succession planning because they're not ready. They don't know what the world looks like after they sell or after they exit. And you know, working through that is really important. Otherwise, they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to be able to let go. They, they say they are, but, but they're not. Yeah, so we were having this conversation this morning. I was talking to, to my team about the elite 3%. Mm-hmm. And what does it really take for an owner to truly get there? Mm-hmm. Which is going to sound terrible, but really it's disassociating their identity. Yes. Because I have a former client that the very first meeting that I, I had with this person, he stood up from behind his desk, he put his hands on his hips, and he kind of threw his head back and he said, Mike, you have to know that in this industry, I am Batman. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I promise you. And so, well, at least you knew what you're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, well, well and, and, and the thing was is that as part of that, I knew that this person was not really ready yet right. to engage at the level that we engage with these companies. Yeah, exactly. So it worked out great because uh, we talked through some things. I talked with him about what his real readiness to engage in all of this truly was and what the purpose was that he wanted me to help him. Mm-hmm. And we got to the point where he just wasn't ready yet. Yeah. And, and I told him, I said, look, when, when you get to that place, then let me know. And yeah. we're going to, we'll work together. Yeah. And so it worked out great. We got back together and, and he sold the company. But um, that a disassociation with this identity that people have built over time is difficult. But to get to that elite 3%, you have to yes. be able to know what you're going to do on day one after yes. you sell the business. Yeah. And in the book, uh, Dan, who was successful in, in selling his business, he did it gradually. So he, um, it got to the point at the end, he was only working one day a week in the business. So it wasn't that all of a sudden he had nothing to do. It was, a, it's a, it was, it was very purposeful. And over time, over a three-year period of time, he got to the point where he had been developing his, his successor and felt confident that... Um, this individual could, you know, take the business forward. And he was, he was only involved with, you know, super high level decisions. Right. Right. And I've got a client right now and I've had clients in the past where their objective is upon sale of the business or transfer of the business that they want to be out of it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have to be in it for too long. And so one of my very first recommendations as I'm assessing the company and their readiness to leave is that, they put somebody else in their seat. Yes. Okay, so that the buyers, when when we're going through management presentations and the company is being presented to these potential buyers, mm-hmm. this new successor who is going to stay with the business right. for the long term is the one that's making those presentations. Mm-hmm. The owner may be talking about strategy, may be talking about their people and what right. their vision is. But this new president or general manager is talking about the business right exactly you have done this for a long time (laughs) i mean and uh you've seen a lot of good and bad as Mm -hmm. you said and so what are some of the causes for poor succession planning well one's the owner um that they're just not ready uh the the next is um the fact that they don't have the infrastructure to really 
execute a succession plan. So there's, you know, things like, you know, development planning and career paths and performance management systems, things that, that are required once once you really want to execute the succession plan. So in the book, I have a, a kind of a readiness checklist of, okay, here are some of the things we, we as a company need to consider before we move forward. And that way they have a benchmark and understand where some of the gaps are within the organization. And they can, they can um, move forward with succession planning, but in parallel, start filling some of these gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you, so you see then just uh, these people that do it really well are able to make that assessment, yeah. both of the position first and yes. then of the people. Right, yes. And, um, and then the other thing is many small businesses don't understand um, potential versus performance. And performance is really easy because it's historical. You know, you go back and, and you, you see what people have done for the organization, for your department. And then there's potential. And potential is, is a forecast. And if you don't understand what kind of behaviors and competencies that you're looking for with that person in the future, then you can't measure their potential. So um, a, a traditional, uh, what's called a nine box grid, it, you can plot during a talent conversation. A talent conversation is when you bring your key execs together to discuss the talent pool. And this should be done on a um, minimum annual basis, but I recommend every six months. And you plot the individuals on um, the performance versus, versus potential. And then you know who are those high potentials in your group. And those are people that you want to focus on from a development standpoint because they're the ones that are going to get you to where you want to go in the future. And so for some of these or, you know, the listeners that are out there that may want to, they don't have the book yet, yes. so yeah. they may be thinking, okay, gosh, I really want to think about this, about a mm-hmm. couple of my people. What are some of those key indicators that they might be thinking about? Um, well, from a potential standpoint, it's um, individuals that um, kind of, they go above and beyond, and that would mean things like looking for, other projects, being proactive and volunteering, um, that, and they're, they're looking for opportunities where they can make decisions on their own. It's, it's those kinds of behaviors that, that you really need to be, be looking for. Now, are there any traps that you've seen where a business owner may look at this, you know, Susie and say, man, she has such high potential. She's going to be great as my new president. Yeah. So, um, Partially, it's, it's looking first and identifying the leadership competencies of your organization. What, what are those competencies that um, drive leadership within your organization? And the way to do that would be to um, take a look at you know, a, a top leader in your organization and start looking at what are those behaviors that he or she displays and, and then measure the potential person against those. I've, I've got a, a story in the book about uh, this, this one woman who decided to elevate a, a high performer to a position of, of leadership, and the guy was struggling. And when I started kind of exploring with her what, what the, um, her reason was for the decision, she immediately mentioned, you know, team, you know, that 
he was really helpful with the team. And there was another another thing that he, um, she felt like was, was leadership. And then when we started talking more, there were a number of things that he was missing, like strategic thinking. You know, he, he was great at, at um, fixing problems, but he wasn't great at looking ahead. And so those were things that if she had evaluated early, she could have gotten some development for him before he was moved into a, a leadership position. Yeah, so it is. Uh, it reminds me of, of the old terminology, the Peter Principle. Yes, exactly. Right? Yes, yes. So you've got this person that is just absolutely excelling in their position. Yeah. They are showing all the signs of being great at the next one. Right. And then they get in there and they fail miserably. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so part of that is, is maybe not really the individual as much as it is the leadership team that put them into the position. Right, exactly. There, you know, the, the, the idea is that you have the right people in the right seats, but at the right time doing the right things. Right. So to sum that up, then it might be that you, you know, you never want to be trying to hire yourself. No. Right. But no. you do have the opportunity to take a look at the attributes of your successful team. Right. And be able to apply those and gauge your new talent against them. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, if, especially if, if you are leaving and maybe you've um, sold your business to your employees. Well, it's, it's critical that, that it's going to be successful in the future because you're probably getting an earnout over, over time. So you want to make sure that the person that you put in place is somebody that can get to the ne- that next step. And it, it may not be somebody like you. Right. It's, it's not going to, and it won't be. It's gonna, it won't be a mirror image. And maybe it shouldn't be. No, exactly. In order for the organization to grow bigger, faster, stronger than you made it, right. maybe you need somebody else. Exactly. How far in advance do you suggest people actually starting this? And and let me just say that I talk to people about the difference between a third-party sale and an internal transition, either yes. with employees or family members, right. mm-hmm. and the amount of time it actually takes. Yeah, um, it's it's a long time. I mean, I I think succession planning should start at the very beginning. That you know, as you start hiring people, um, you start looking at them from a, from a standpoint of, of the future and not the specific needs of, of today. Right. Yeah. And in my business today, we were actually having a conversation around this and we were talking about personalities and generational attributes. And one of the other executives said to me, well, hey, listen, as we are mentoring and we're gauging their ability to uh, accept this growth plan or to success be successful at the growth plan then we have to think about the fact that not all these people are going to be good salespeople, right and i told him i said well that's fine right let's think about back to the the position and the requirements of the position and then what those people where they are in their growth and development Mm -hmm. and your growth plan is taking them inside the bounds of the position that they're supposed to be working in right right and not not in a position they're not supposed to be right exactly i think that people really have to be deliberate about how they're developing their people and i don't see that often no and and it's um that's where you really need to analyze the position that they're in now and what the gaps are, 
um, to make them successful in that position. But then also, if, if they are high, high potential, what are some of the skill sets that they need in order to be prepared for that, that next position? So it's, and it's a, it's a joint effort. It's not something that you develop on your own. It's, it's worked with the employee. Um, and there's, especially with smaller companies, one of the things I think that there's a fear of is, is oh gosh, development is going to cost a lot of money. And I have a whole, whole um, chapter of the book about developing employees. And there's a lot of things that you can do that cost next to nothing. Job rotation, mentoring, you know, coaching, those things that, um, you know, it's not send them off to get an MBA at, you know, Harvard or whatever. Right. Well, <laughs> so I th- what you just have said is every action you just expressed mm-hmm. are proactive activities. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of businesses, they, they do really well. They've grown well. They could be a 50 or $100 million revenue business mm-hmm. because of the dynamic nature of the owner or the products that were put mm-hmm. in place and not have a, a strong, well-functioning management team. Yes. I think that a, a critical component for reaching that elite 3% mm-hmm. exit is that you're deliberate and you take the time yes. to structure this management improvement program. Right, exactly. And that, and that, that oftentimes is um, a roadblock is, you know, well, we got, you know, we're, we've got 50 people and, you know, we just don't have enough time. Well, that's when, you know, oftentimes I'm called in at, as a consultant to help kind of be the accountability partner to get them through the process so it doesn't, you know, get lost. Yeah, yeah so good word, process. <laughs> so let's talk about your process mm-hmm. a little bit. Take us through that kind of start to yeah. nirvana. There. Nirvana, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, there are six phases to the process. Uh, one is that um, kind of assessment. Are, are we ready? And putting a team together. Um, the next is is um, analyzing, um, analyzing you know, the key key performers uh, versus positions, um, determining um, competencies, and what what are those competencies that both all employees need to have in order to be part of the company. So these competencies would be tied back to your values, and then there is leadership competencies. So there's kind of two levels there. Um, and then, then once you understand where the, the gaps are, it's, it's developing uh, those individuals. Uh, there's also, you know, you may find where your strategy is changing and you're going to have to go out and recruit because you don't have a, a person that's going to be able to take that position. That usually happens when it's um, some sort of subject matter expert. Um, you might be changing, you know, shifting um, to a new technology or something, and, and there's just nobody in uh, in the organization that can get up to speed as quickly. Um, so, so hiring externally is important, and then um, developing, and then finally um, rewarding yourself and rewarding others for for the accomplishment that they that they've done. And let's talk for a minute about 
two key things. So you've got all the jobs mapped out. You know what all the knowledge, skills, and abilities are required to be in there. You may have some people that are in line internally to be able to grow and develop in there. And then you may have to go ahead and hire outside. So let's talk about growing those people first. What are the key areas about growing and developing those people to get to those positions? And then we'll talk about the key things you need to do to hire effectively for those. Okay. So from a development standpoint, um, starts with a development plan, <laughs> plans and processes, right? And you, you want to, you know, create um, really specific goals that relate back to the competencies that um, they're trying to, to build. And, um, and there's obviously a time frame. Uh, there's identification of how, how are they going to do that? You know, is it through some specific training? Is it coaching? Um, is it, you know, some stretch project that um, you've identified that will allow you to see more of their, their leadership skills, those kinds of things. Uh, and, and then there's a consistent check-in. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, people need to have one-on-one conversations with their, their managers on a regular basis, monthly basis. And um, from a development standpoint, you should be checking in on a quarterly basis um, to see how their progress is, is coming. So you are spending time with folk. You're looking at them from a leadership perspective. You're looking at them from a management perspective, two different things. And you're looking at them from a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. If, right. you know, if they're in finance or marketing or something like that. Yeah. I like to say, if you can take your one page strategy document mm-hmm. and you can take the I'm good checklist mm-hmm. And you can put those things next to each other as you're talking to your and training your management team. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the roadmap. Yep. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. You've got yep. everything you need. You've got the at the top. You've got financial metrics right. and understanding that they must have around the organization. Mm-hmm. Then you have customer related metrics right. across internal and external stakeholders yep. of the business. Internal is the next theme, and that's all processes and areas of the business that they need to be familiar with and understand kind of the inner workings of. And at the bottom is your growth. So that's human capital growth. Mm -hmm. It's programmatic growth. What are those issues? And if you map that over to the I'm Good checklist and the major major categories of I'm Good, which we're not going to go into detail about all those Mm -hmm. things, but I is for increasing cash flow pretty important. Yes. (laughs) M is for your management team Mm -hmm. and and institutionalizing the team. Right. Not just having management team by virtue of the fact that they've all been there for a while. Right. Right. But really having a clear path towards what they're supposed to be. Right. Uh, G is for growth. Mm -hmm. The first O is optimize financial statements. The second O is operational processes. And the last one is a diverse customer base. So that strategy the I'm good checklist, value driver checklist, and the strength of the team that is managing all of that and leading all of that is integral Yes. to yeah. being able to get to that elite 3% right. exit. Yeah. So Beth, talk to me now about hiring from the outside yes. and yeah. how to be effective at that. Okay. So, um, well, first of all, you've got to be really clear from a, a job profile standpoint, really clear about the competencies that are going to be critical to the success of that position. 
Secondly, you need to be really good at um, behavioral interviewing skills. And, and for those people that don't and haven't heard about behavioral interviewing, it's, it's really about gaining knowledge of past experiences that people have had. Um, it's not theoretical questions, but it's, you know, tell me about a time where you had, um, had to deal with conflict amongst team members. And, and then listen for, you know, the, the answer and how that relates back to the competencies that, that you're looking for. Um, so, so there's that. Then um, integrate an assessment. Um, assessments will take out um, the, the bias in fact, I was just talking to somebody the other day who, who said, oh, gosh, yeah, you know, um, we would interview these people, um, salespeople, of course, right? right? Sure. Interview salespeople, and, and everybody was, was just ready to hire them. Then, then we do an assessment, and assessment takes out the bias uh, within the, the process, the interviewing process. Um, it's important that the assessment be validated for hiring purposes because there is a number of them out there that are, are good, for team building, um, like Myers-Briggs and DISC, those are two well-known right. assessments, but they're not validated for hiring purposes. There's lots of them out there that are. And um, and because they take the bias out, um, they'll they'll show you things that you might not have seen within um, the, the interview process. Right. So there's a whole cadre of these things. Colby yes. and Disc yeah. and Berkman. And yeah. And if you've, right, if you've got one that assessment that you're using and you're wondering whether or not it's um, validated for hiring, call the company and ask. There's, unfortunately, there is no like website out there saying here are the, here are the ones that are validated for hiring purposes. So. Yeah. You know, so one thing that we talked about a minute ago was the IMB checklist, and we talked about increasing cash flow. Mm-hmm. The rotation of new employees <laughs> is a major drain on cash flow. Yes, yes. Retention, or lack thereof. That's right. <laughs> and we've, we've got a, a big issue right now in the marketplace. Yeah, so talk yeah. about that just a little bit. Yeah, well, I, you know, there's, there's outside forces right now that are taking place that mm-hmm. um, are, are making people want to leave organizations um, because of, you know, vaccine mandates and things like that. So, um, and so the, the smaller companies are able to take advantage of that because it's 100 employees or more. So those individuals who don't want, for some reason, to, to take the vaccine are looking for, for companies that are outside of that 100-employee yeah, and so I think that goes to to other discussion items around this great resignation. Yes, the great resignation. That's what they're calling it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's some pe- the older people have decided. You know what? I think I'm just going to retire. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm 62, and you know. Yeah, and it's not just the vaccine mandate itself, no. but it is this this COVID environment that right. we started with a couple of years ago. Working from home. Um, um, mothers having to, you know, homeschool their kids, and now that's not as much right now. But early on, there were a lot of of mothers that just decided, you know what, I, I can't do both. Right. Yeah. I was in a a plant last week speaking to one of the students in our in our academy cohort that's going on right now, and taking a tour, and we were talking about labor. 
Mm-hmm. We were talking about, hey, what is your human capital looking like? Yeah. And he's like, Mike, if you can find me some, send them my way. Yeah. And yeah. he said, we have done, we've been, gone through these interview processes, which we think is a pretty valid and uh, pretty strong process. Mm-hmm. We have multiple people interview and do all of right. that. And we'll have somebody who has said made all the right answers. They give us all the right energy and they're supposed to show up at work on Monday and they don't show up. Yeah, I've heard that before. And, and we, I heard that actually before the pandemic, the, yeah. the, the younger generation. That's uh, for, right. For some reason, you know, they're, they're waiting for the next best thing and the next best thing came and they don't even call. That's, I mean, that just blows my mind. It's, it's. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because in this case, he was telling me, yeah, they don't call, but then they show up three days later expecting just to work because, and we ask them, well, what happened? So, oh, I, well, I had something else going on. I just, I couldn't come in. And <laughs> then on Wednesday or Thursday or the following week, they show up and it's like, it's not even a thing for them. Yeah. So. Where is that coming from? I have no idea. <laughs> you're supposed you're, to have these you're, answers. You're, you're talking to a woman who has no kids. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, especially in our generation, have yeah. a real hard time wrapping our head around that. Well, it, it is difficult, as a matter of fact. And I was... I'm sure that at this time of year, everybody, well, a lot of people watch Hallmark, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's all the Christmas movies. Yeah. I mean, they start before yes. before Halloween. Yeah. So my wife and I were watching one of those the other night because, you know, we have such an exciting life. <laughs> <laughs> and we're watching this thing, and it is all about this young attorney that, when she got out of law school, wanted to have quality of life. It was good. That was her thing. And she chose law. And so she became a lawyer and she and her significant other, you know, because you got to have one of those in a Hallmark movie. Right. They get together and that's their plan. But he gets hired away to this big company Mm -hmm. and corporate law firm. And he does really well. He's highly recruited and he excels in that. But uh, she decides that she's going to go to this mid-sized firm and she hates it. Because it's regimented, she's having to, she's actually having to kind of pay her dues, right? Mm-hmm. And so later in the movie, all this stuff happens, and she has a mass, a incredible opportunity. She thinks that this is all about quality of life, and that she is going to go and she's going to get to do whatever she wants. And she talks with the HR person right before she's being on, mm-hmm. as she's being onboarded, and they start talking to her about how much work she's going to have to do. Oh, yeah, there's a 24-7 job. You've got to do all this stuff. And she says, well, wait a minute. The partners told me that this was about quality of life. And the HR person says, you're right. It is about quality of life. It's about their quality of life because they've paid their dues. Yeah, and, you know, that I talk a little bit about that in the book from, from like, hiring mistakes. And one of them is overselling the company. Mm-hmm that, you know, and I've gotten a number of, of executives sharing with me stories of being recruited into a company and being shown the, you know, the story of, of the company. But then when they got there, 30 days later, they're like, this isn't 
what I signed up for. And you, you, you know, companies aren't doing themselves any favor by recruiting somebody into their organization with untruthful facts. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, I did a lot of hiring in a previous position and one of the things I would tell these, and most of these kids were coming right out of college mm-hmm. and I would sit and talk with them about how successful they were going to be at this company mm-hmm. and what the likelihood of them being successful was really going to be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that they were going to have many jobs as a young person until they figure out what it is that they really are going to excel at, right? Yeah. really want right. to do. Mm-hmm. And what I was telling them is this, look, here's what I want out of you. What I want you to do is I want you to, I'm not going to know really who you are until six months from now right. or a year mm-hmm. from now, right? But what I want you to do is I just want you to, to give it your best attention, give mm-hmm. it your best effort while you're here. And uh, at the end of a two or three year period, if this is not for you, then man, I'm going to help you. I'm going right. to help you get to the next place that mm-hmm. you need to be, mm-hmm. right? And uh, a lot of them were shocked. They were looking at me like, well, what do you mean I'm not going to be here for the rest of my life? And <laughs> like, if you think you're going to do that, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. Okay. But come and give it your best shot. Right. And maybe you will be here for the rest right. of your life. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that this is management improvement, organizational management improvement mm-hmm. is hard. Yeah. Taking into your current people that you like and that you are around all the time and assessing their ability to potentially lead the organization mm-hmm. at some point in the future is hard. It is. Yeah. Especially the longer you've been with somebody, um, there, there's that loyalty. Right. And, um, and then there's maybe blind spots that you have that you don't see about that person. Because, yes. because you've been with them for so long. Uh, one of the areas that I see this happen a lot in, I think you and I had this conversation once before, is in the role of CFO. Yes. Mm-hmm. We often have young, have, have companies that are small. They have somebody that is a bookkeeper or something that is a friend of the family and joins in the, the company. And then all of a sudden they're a $75 million revenue company that has somebody that that is is maybe goods at the x's and o's but not right being able to do strategy and all the rest exactly of it. so yeah. as you come in and you talk to the company about enhancing value and positioning for transition it's just a gap there yes yeah that we need to potentially fill with a fractional executive right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so do you do much integration with fractional type executives um on occasion Okay. Yeah, and you, it's usually CFOs. Yeah, yeah. Is there, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you are most effective. If I were to call you and say, mm-hmm. hey, I, Beth, I want you to come in and take a look at my company. Mm-hmm. Give me a quick overview of, of how that process goes and, uh, and uh, one or two tips for the listeners out there, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap this well, up. Well, obviously, yeah, the first question I would, would ask is, you know, what's the purpose? You know, what, what is your goal here? If, if, in fact, the, the individual is looking for a succession planning, um, I'd help them through the, the assessment process. I'd also help them in that, that talent conversation because, because there's a lot of biases in the room. 
I can go, come in and, and facilitate the, the discussion because I, I don't have any history right. with, with the folks. So I can ask the stupid questions. Um, and then on the, the back end, I'll oftentimes be called in um, for coaching some of those um, high potentials into, into the next level. Perfect. And so if you gave, had one or two tips for the business owner that's listening, what would they be from today? Um, start now. Don't wait. That would be number one. And number two is um, really define what potential is. Don't, I know I talk to so many people going, well, I'll, I know it when I see it. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's not good enough. Because if you've got um, a succession plan and you know what potential looks like, then you can communicate that to your high performers and so that they know what, what potential looks like to you. And they can, if, they're, if they want to be there, then they can start acting like that. Well, Beth, those are great tips. I appreciate the time that you spent with me today. I always learn something from you every time I talk to you. And uh, the book is Replaceable, An Obsession with Succession. I found it on Amazon. It's out there for everybody to be able to get. I encourage you to, to get the book work through it, apply it to your company. And if you come to the Academy, the Business Owner Transition Academy, in both of our, our live cohorts and also our um, remote instructor-facilitated internet-based courses, there will be modules in the syllabus that talk about management improvement, talk about time management to strategy, and how important it is to maximize value in the transition of your business and your ability to get to that elite 3% exit. So thank you very much. And Beth, I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you. We will see you all next time.